when I was thinking about what to pray for for corporate prayer before I even finished asking myself the question, the word God's faithfulness came to mind. I just think that if we know how faithful God is, our lives would be so different. We would stop striving in our own strength and we would trust in God more. Just know, as Deuteronomy 7 verse 9 says, know that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love to a thousand generations. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, this morning we come to you with grateful hearts for your love and faithfulness. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your word is just and true, and you are faithful in all you do. Throughout each generation, your faithfulness to your people continues. Your faithfulness endures forever. Under your wings we find refuge, and your faithfulness is our shield, our protection. All your laws are trustworthy and good. Help us to see your laws as good for us, to make us a happier and a holier people. Help us to shine for your glory. Lord, you are a You are faithful to all your promises and you are loving toward all you have made. Help us to trust in your promises. Give us an abundance of faith to believe that all you say you will do. Help us to trust you that when we confess our sin to you, you are faithful and just and will forgive our sin. Thank you that when we are tempted, you are faithful and won't let us be tempted beyond what we are able to bear. Thank you that when we are faithless, you will still remain faithful to us. You help us to hang on to hope even when life gets hard and situations challenge and overwhelm us. You are our ever-present help in times of trouble. Thank you that you strengthen us and protect us from the evil one. O Lord God Almighty, who is like you? You are mighty, O Lord, and your faithfulness surrounds you. We remember the words of Jeremiah and make them our own. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Please help us to be faithful in serving you and for us to love others as you have first loved us. We thank you for the glorious grace you have lavished on us through your dear son Jesus. Help us to never take for granted all the riches we have through his sacrifice. And it is in his name, the mighty name of Jesus, that we offer our prayer today. Amen. There we go. Now we're all good to go. <laughs> it's been a busy week. Uh, but we know, thank you Nadine, that when we're weak, he is strong. Amen. Wonderful to, to pray of his faithfulness, to have a focus on his on uh, thankfulness in worship. Thank you for leading us in that, Andrew. And, and the worship time was wonderful, wasn't it? 
Great to be together as, as a family, and I just, I just want to welcome you too. My name's Sam Barnes. If you don't know me, I'm the pastor here at the Hills Christian Family Centre. And if you are online and you are watching this, I just want to pray particularly that, and let you know that you're not alone, uh, that our God, uh, who is present with us, is with you right as you uh, sit or drive or whatever it is that you're doing right now, and know that he is with you and he uh, longs to show his faithfulness to you. He longs to, for his presence to be real with you right where you are, uh, particularly uh, if you are by yourself. So know that he is with you. Uh, last week, um, we, we shared with the church on our Vision Sunday. And um, there we go. Someone's on it. Thank you. Um, and, and we... We shared with the church that we have a sense from the Lord that this year we really want to be making a difference. We really want to be not um, plagued by what's happening in the world around us or the certain situations that may hold us back or limit us. But even in the midst of the different circumstances, even in the midst of those things, God has opportunities for each and every one of us to make a difference. As I was thinking about uh, the, the early church, you know, they faced so much opposition and yet they, in the midst of the persecution, uh, out of, out of the, the hungering after God and wanting to make a difference in their world, you know, we have hospitals, we have schools, we have orphanages due to those early Christians wanting to make a difference uh, in the world. And so it is with us as a church. We don't uh, let go of the mission of God to go into the world and make disciples and to make a difference not only uh, amongst us as we gather together but in the world around us. Uh, that is our desire, to make a difference. And the good thing about uh, this sort of slogan, if you like, is it can be applied to many different areas of our lives in many different situations. Uh, last week I talked about how it can affect our personal lives. We can make a difference if we want to grow closer to God, and we're going to be talking about that this morning, uh, in our personal lives and in our personal relationships, how we outwork our faith, uh, it can have a difference in the way we gather and we serve as a church community, uh, that we're not just uh, a one-man band, but we're an orchestra and everyone plays their part. And, of course, it makes a difference, we believe, and trusting in the world and in the neighbourhood around us as we reach out with the love of God. And so we don't need to be uh, held back or feel disappointed, but even in the midst of that, look for the opportunities. There is always a God-given opportunity to make a difference, whether it be a conversation with someone, whether it be uh, prioritising our time with the Lord. We're going to be talking about that today. Uh, whether that be uh, seeing a neighbour's need and meeting it. Whether that be seeing a need in the church and standing up. There is always an opportunity. And as I said last week, making a difference isn't just up to senior pastors. It's not up to politicians and world leaders. It's up to you. You are called, you are designed to make a difference. That's why we want our lives to count for something. That's why most of us put our hands up last week. We want our lives to be making a difference in the world because we are designed to, to be that way. And one of the uh, kind of underpinning verses for this whole series is 
Paul says that we are his workmanship, we are his design, we are his masterpiece, we are his creation. We're not just here existing by chance. You are created and you have a purpose. You have a reason for being. You're created in Christ for good works. Not just to exist and to go about having our being, but there's something more for you and for I, which God has prepared beforehand, that we should what we should walk in them. We shouldn't just have them there on the shelf, have them as a good idea, but we should outwork those things that God has for us. So this morning, I want to be talking about what does it mean to make a difference in our personal lives. And I want to give ourselves an opportunity at the end here uh, for some of you perhaps to share uh, what a difference has made in your personal life when it comes to your um, following of Jesus, when it comes to wanting to follow after him. What has, what has been something that you've done, maybe something you've implemented, maybe something that you've been surprised by that might spur other people here on uh, in the good works that God has for them. So just be mindful of that as we're, as we're talking. You might have something to share uh, later on as we open that up. Before we get into that, though, we, we talk about making a difference. We talk about this effort and this uh, kind of work that we have to do as, as a Christian, as a, as a follower of Christ. But it's really important that we get the order of things right because we cannot do anything in our own strength. We just prayed and, and talked about that. We can't uh, strive for and go after for the things that, that God has for us unless we first know who we are in Christ, unless we first know what God has done for us, unless we are first uh, transformed into a new creation and, and wowed by and just in awe of the things that God has done in our lives to forgive us, to redeem us, to make us whole, to give us purpose and life. And, and when we first come to know that, outflowing from that, comes our desire to walk in and to do the things God has prepared for us. It's very important that we get the process right. In fact, in a lot of Paul's writings, he spends the first couple of chapters of his letters unpacking what God has done for us. And then, and then there's always a therefore or and so after doing that. I remember when I was in... Um, Bible College, I, I read a little small book by Watchman Nee called Sit, Walk, Stand. And it was a book on the book of Ephesians. <clears throat> and Watchman Nee, uh, in, that, in the same process, talked about the fact that, um, you know, we, we are called to stand against the devil's schemes. And he's given us an armour of God. That's chapter 6. And we are told to walk in and work out um, what God has planned for us. And, and, and so that's walking and then standing. But before we do that, do you know what we've got to do? We've got to sit. We've got to know that we are seated in the heavenly realms, it says in, in the first parts of Ephesians. So there's this sense of first being... Um, know who our, who we are in Christ and what he's done for us. And out of an overflow of that, we then come to the walking in. There's a famous quote from that book and that I had on my wall for about 10 years, I reckon. 
And every time I walked into my office, I, I looked at this particular quote. Ooh. But Christianity is a queer business. If at the outset we try to do anything, we get nothing. If we seek to attain something, we miss everything. And then this is the quote that I had. For Christianity begins not with a big do, but a big done. Christianity, our walk, our journey of faith, doesn't, be, doesn't begin with, with, with doing, doesn't begin with striving. It begins with what he has already done for us. Jesus said on the cross, the work is finished. The work is done. He has taken upon our sin upon his shoulders and he has dealt with the sin problem and it is finished. You know, Jesus didn't say, well, I've made a good start, now it's up to you guys. Jesus didn't say, well, I've written the first chapter, the next 24 chapters are up to you. No, it is done. It is finished. And our outworking needs to come out of that. And so... Paul in Philippians says, Therefore, dear friends, as, I've all, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence but now much more in my absence, as Paul's no longer with them, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Continue to work out your salvation. And I want to say this morning, perhaps one or two of you may not actually know what it means to receive the love of Christ and to know that you are loved by him, that there is no more separation between you and God, that your sins are forgiven. Perhaps making a difference in your personal life this morning is for you to go, this is what I need. My first port of call in making a difference is to say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I don't want to continue to strive. I don't want to continue to worry and not know what my future is. Help me to trust in you and to have you come into my life so that I might walk with you and know your peace because nothing compares to the peace with God that we sang this morning. That could be your biggest thing. So how do we make a difference in our personal lives? I mean, it's a big statement, isn't it? Make a difference in our personal lives. The first thing I want to just say is that making a difference isn't necessarily in the outward appearance of our lives. I mean, there may be things that we, we need to do to, in, our, in our outward appearance, but the main thing that's going to make a difference in our personal lives is in here. The main difference is all inside of us. It's not about how we act, about what we say, about what we do, about how we behave. Because when this in here gets right, then that affects all of those other things. I love this um, quote that often comes up. It's not about how Christian you look from the outside. It's about your personal relationship with God. James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And in Jeremiah it says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? All of your heart. Everything that you are. 
not just compartmentalized, not just a certain amount of time a week, but with everything that you've got, everything within you, when you seek God, when you go after him, you'll find him and you'll know him. There's nothing better than knowing God and knowing that you're loved by him. To pursue that intimacy with God with everything that we have. Now, if, I, if we want to know what this relationship with God looks like, we probably have to go back to Genesis and look at, at the Garden of Eden. There, uh, Adam and Eve enjoyed pure intimacy with God. This was before there were church buildings, before there were rituals, before there were rules. Well, there's probably one rule. Don't, don't eat of the tree. Um, but before any of that stuff, for all that, all of the, the human kind of configurizing of things got in the way, there was just a pure, intimate, close relationship. You know, the Bible says that they delighted in God and God delighted in them. I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you delight in God? Do you delight in God? Probably more importantly, do you know that God delights in you? Because that changes everything. So they had this continued relationship. It wasn't just a couple of hours on a Sunday morning. It wasn't just going to bed at night or waking up in the morning. There was this continued walk with God all day, every day this sense of being connected and close to God. And then, of course, we know that uh, sin came in and, and, and messes everything up, messes up that connection with God. But we know that Jesus on the cross took our sin and took the thing that interrupted that connection and he dealt with it and he put it to death. And we no longer have that barrier and that original design that we, we that I said, that original design of our unique relationship with God was restored again. We are redeemed. We are rescued. We, we, we're brought back into that original design. But do we live like that? Is that how we go about living our lives? I was um, spending some time this week in the car. Um, many of you know I was a, a punk rocker in my days and I love listening to the old songs. Um, but I made a conscious decision this week to put some worship music on as I'm driving my car. And I put on an old album, you know, the old songs, <laughs> the ones that really connect with you. And I was, I was singing and I was worshipping as I was driving and just something m- magical happened and I started to weep as the lyrics of those songs connected with my heart, with the truth of the, the gospel in, in lyric just made a difference. And I was just, it felt like I was just transcended into this intimate, real relationship back to that original design where nothing else mattered. And I had perfect peace with God and I knew him. And I knew that he loved me. And it's just a special moment. It's a glimpse of that original design. And it's a glimpse of our eternal future. That's what our eternal future is going to be like constantly. 
It's not just a glimpse. It's not just a moment in the car. But the good news of the gospel is that that feeling, that sense of his presence, that overwhelmed sense of him, his love for us, and the truth of his word being proclaimed is going to be our eternal future forever, continually. And then I sort of sort of stopped the car, parked the car, and I got out and I closed the door, and I looked around me. And you know how sometimes in movies when they try to um, show you that the person is thinking and, and aware of stuff, they, they slow it down and they remove the sound so that you can kind of get the picture that this guy's contemplating the world around him. That kind of happened to me. And I saw a lot of people going about their day, going about their daily lives, thinking that that was it. Missing out on that glimpse of connection, missing out on the real purpose of life, that we are designed to be in relationship with him. You know the crazy thing? We spend most of our lives pursuing a world that isn't going to exist forever instead of pursuing the thing that is going to last forever. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. How do we make a difference in our personal lives? How do we get it right so that we are going after him? That's why I was saying I was so glad when... uh, Kathy said, want to do that kid spot song. <laughs> it's all going to fade away. It's all going to fade away. And yet we spend most of our lives pursuing after it, building it, holding on to it. It's all going to fade away. The thing that's going to remain is that intimacy, that original design that he is restoring us back to him, to be with him forever. Now, there's plenty of scripture that we can use to talk about our intimacy and our connection with God and what has been won through Jesus on the cross. But I've got two particular uh, scriptures, and I want to tell you why I want to use these verses, because it talks about not only being intimate and having a relationship with God, it talks about being friends. It talks about being friends. Paul says in Romans For since our friendship with God was restored, that's what we've been talking about, it's been restored back to its original design, so you and I can walk in the garden with him every day continually, doesn't rely on ritual, doesn't rely on church service, it relies on you being connected. Because that was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. Isn't that amazing? That we've been declared to be friends of God. And Jesus himself says it in John 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have now made known to you. Do you know that the Greek word for friend here in these uh, scriptures is not a word that describes just a casual acquaintance. It describes a deep, close, 
personal, intimate comrade. It's the word to describe a best man at a wedding. Uh, if you're getting married and you want a maid of honour or you want a best man, you, you want the, the person alongside you to be your, your best friend, the closest friend that you have, the f- closest relationship that you have. And what Jesus has done on the cross is that he's made God our closest relationship, our best man or our maid of honour. It's also used to describe the people in a king's inner circle. If you think about um, kings and queens, whether it be past or present, it doesn't really matter, and you are someone who's perhaps on the outside and you want to meet the queen or meet the king, there'd be a whole heap of things that you'd have to go through, wouldn't there? You'd have to have keep your distance. You'd, you'd be allowed to say something. You'd not be allowed to say something. You'd have to bow a certain way. You'd have to wait before you're spoken to. Like There'd be all of these things to go through, all of these rituals, all of these processes, all of these religious jargon but the scripture says that we've been made friends with God it's the king's inner circle the king would have had friends who he shared his secrets who he was honest and real with and knew him intimately you and I have not only been brought into Jesus king's inner circle but you're Jesus the king's best friend in that circle Isn't that amazing? Isn't that just a wonderful thought that you are in his inner circle? So if that's the case, how can we grow in our relationship? How can we grow in our intimacy? How can that reality become real in our lives? How can we make a difference? Now, I could list 20 practical things that you've probably all heard before. You know, daily devotion, you can do your soap, uh, have a prayer partner, join a life group, um, you know, put worship on in the car, subscribe to podcasts that's going to fuel you. Like, let, we, could, we could list them all. I want to give you one thing. This is a one-point sermon this morning. And this is, this is going to have an effect on every aspect of your personal life. You ready for it? Here's the one point. You're going to go home and you're going to remember this one thing. I'm going to make it easy for you this morning. (laughs) One thing. Here it is. Prioritise time with God every day. Make it a priority in your daily life to spend time with Jesus. That's it. That can look different for every single one of you whether you're a morning person, whether you're an evening person, whether you're busy and work hard and got kids, whether you're tired. But prioritise. Make it your first port of call each and every day to spend time with Jesus. That's, that's it. Because if we do that, you know what? That's going to have an ongoing effect on your other points of your personal life. Your marriage is going to be better. You're going to be a better parent. You're going to be able to forgive others more easily. You're going to have joy and purpose and patience in your life. All of these are a snowball effect from spending time 
with Jesus. Make it a priority. We talked a couple of weeks ago to seek first the kingdom. And Andrew said that that word first just stuck out in his mind. And as I was thinking about seeking first, and as we make Jesus and our time with him first in our lives, I was thinking about something else in the Bible that we do that's first, and that is tithing. We know the the biblical concept of tithing, don't we? So the way... The, the biblical concept of tithing works was, say these pieces of paper represent our resources. Um, in, in Old Testament, it was, it was literally you know, their grain or their fruits that they had that they were able to offer. And the whole, whole point is that, say this represents all that they have, first, first, you take and you give to God. That's more than 10%, but that's okay. And then with what you got left. So this is, this is what uh, Joe and I do. We go, well, we've got things that are, things that are non-negotiable, like we can't, can't change them. So there's things like mortgage or um, uh, bills or um, then, there's, then there's some things that are maybe a bit, we can we can adapt it and change it in our budgeting. Food. Well, I've got six kids, so that that pretty much. Oh, I've I've got two bits left. There we go. <laughs> and then perhaps recreation, holidays, and you know we need time for exercise, like whatever whatever it is. And and but if we do it the other way around. And we go, you know what, here's, here's my mortgage and here's this and here's my food and here's the braces for the kids. Well, that's how kids need braces, so there we go. And, and then whatever, and then we've got some, some left and, oh, okay, I've got some left for that and I want to buy some shoes and I want to get a car and I want to, you know, do some maintenance on the house and, and, then, and then, you know, and then before we know it, this is what we've got left. Have we ever considered what it would be like to tithe our time? The same concept. First. First. Make it a priority. This represents how many hours in the day. I'm going to put that aside first. I'm not going to do all the things with my day and then find that this is what I've got left at the end. It was an interesting thing. I was, I was looking up, you know those things where you know how much of an average time you spend your year on the toilet and all those funny things? Do you know that on average in our Western world, we spend 11 years and four months in front of a screen. 11 years of our lives we spend in front of a screen. I wonder what would happen 
if first we said, Lord, I'm going to give this much time to you, and then there's the sleep, that's a, that's a, not a, you know, that's, you can't do anything about that. There's work, there's recreation, exercise, there's cleaning the house, there's making dinner, and then, but I think what some of us do is unless we do it first, unless we prioritise it, we get to the end and we go, look at how many hours I've got. How am I going to use this? And that's where the 11 years of screen time comes. That's where the scrolling through social media or binge-watching Netflix comes. What if we prioritised first our time with God? might start with an hour. Might You might love it so much that that's not enough. And it changes and changes. A friend of mine uh, posted this cartoon. I thought I'd share it with you. Here's Jesus wanting to spend time with John. That's not it's not having a go at any Johns here. That's just a random name. Well, looks like I'm early. John will be up soon and should be meeting me for coffee shortly. He's desiring to spend time with John. 8.05. Hey, Jesus, you're early. Ready to order yet? No, I'm afraid. Just waiting for my friend. 8.45. He's at work now. Maybe he'll come for lunch. 12.45, well, he'll sure come after work, surely. And then late in the evening, John, there you are. I've been waiting for you all day. I've missed you. Hey, Jesus, yeah, yeah, work's been super stressful. Yeah, speaking of that, can you, know, help me out with the project at work? And, you know, I'm stuck between buying a house and staying in an apartment. So, you know, if you can help out with that decision, I mean, you know, that would be a lot. And, oh, by the way, there's this girl at church. So, yeah, you know, I really like her. So, yeah, make everything run smoothly. That's a bit of fun, right? (laughs) But there's some truth in that, isn't there? Jesus desires to spend time with you, to build an intimate relationship. And if we prioritise that first, before everything else, it's in the same way that Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and these things will be given to you. There are enough hours in the day for you to still uh, seek pleasure to to have hobbies to to do the work that needs to be done there are enough hours if you you know the bible says that jesus is the bread of life that he is our spiritual food that seeking him going after him is what's going to spiritually feed us and give us sustenance in our spiritual walk. If we rely on a 20-minute, half-an-hour message once a week, maybe twice a week, maybe once a month, can I share something with you? That's not enough. That's not enough. 
prepare to be malnourished. We need the bread of life to give us food daily in order to work out the purposes of God to those good works that he has to make a difference. We're going to be flat on our face if we think we can come and half an hour is going to be enough to get us through a week, a month, a year. We've got to be spending time with Jesus daily. Daily. So is it time to maybe turn off the junk? Roll back that 11 years of screen time? And start spending time with God? Because that's, at the end of the day, the rest is all going to fade away. It's not going to matter. What's going to matter is our time with God. So I've shared one quite big thing that's going to make a difference in your personal life and it's going to have a snowball effect on everything else. But perhaps one or two of you might have something that you've adapted or a lesson that you've learned or a habit that you've broken or something that has transformed your personal walk with Jesus. Does anyone have anything in their lives that they could share that might just encourage other people here this morning? Yep. Do you want to come up front? Hi, I don't know where to start with this because it's been a big thing that God's been doing in my life for a number of years. Um, I guess I'll start by saying business has been really, really tough in the last six or seven years. And um, I remember being at a leadership meeting here and and asking people to pray because I owed $64,000 and I didn't know how I was going to pay that um, before the end of the month. And that that was, you know, a number of years ago and we're still in business. But things got really, really tough and... Um, about three years ago, we, we decided to sell the house and just pay off all the debts. Um, and that, that, um, we did that and, and it, it was just such a relief not to have any debt. Um, but the funny thing was that suddenly we didn't own a house anymore. And that was tough for Mike too. He grew up in a well-to-do family and he always had everything. Um, for me, I grew up in a poor family, so it never really mattered as much to me. But what, and then there's this other aspect which I need to talk about before it make, the rest makes sense, is that as an interior decorator, I get to see some incredible homes. One of the homes I've just finished in the last year is a $6 million property, um, which was the most expensive house that was sold the year I started the job. And the glitz and the glamour and, you know, this particular house had a beautiful ballroom and I managed to get these huge chandeliers for the ballroom. And um, and another job which I started last week is is a, a multi-million dollar property also where I've been able to do some wonderful things with a great big nine-metre wall with huge hand-painted cranes and flowers and it's just been a joy. So there's this, this contrast of this beauty and this creativity that I love. And when I go home, I go home now to a rented house of the 80s 
which is very dated. The air conditioner makes so much noise when it's turned on and the roof drips when, when there's too much rain. But do you know what? I absolutely love it. I don't want to own a house. I just don't care. And also when... Um, oh, forget. My, I'm getting old. <laughs> losing my train of thought. I'm going to be 70 in a few days, so that's a good excuse. But but just um, not owning owning a house. And, oh, yeah, the other thing I was going to say, all, any super we ever had over the years of being in business for many, many years just all disintegrated. So we don't even have that. So this contrast of these incredible houses and us coming home to our 80s dwelling, which I absolutely love, I can see that God has been working in me all these years of, I think, well, why am I in so much trouble? Why can't I be better with money? Why can't, can't things work? But now I'm at the stage where I don't care about houses. I don't even care. I, I own, own one. I don't care. I've got money in the bank because I've got Jesus. And, he means everything to me now. I, I just can still enjoy my, my shop and I enjoy my clients. I enjoy the beauty I can create. But I spend my time with Jesus. I, in the middle of the night, if I can't sleep, I'll turn on a Foxtel station, a Foxtel Christian station. I'll listen to a sermon. I'll wake up and listen to Hillsong or I'll listen to a group of theologians, which I love, and they're always debating something. And my heart is now totally for the things of God. And if I hadn't had all the trouble with all the money and God has stripped away all that, and even in a marriage, I think, well, it must have been good for both of us. God wouldn't do that just to one of us. It must have been good for both of us. And so Jesus matters and and my whole life is happier now because I want to do things at church. I enjoy coming in and, and praying and just just being part of you all and yeah, it's a long story, but that's where my heart is. Thanks, Willie. Do you know one of those statistics says that we spend seven years of our live, lives trying to get to sleep? I wonder if we had Willie's heart and didn't worry about stuff because we have Jesus. I wonder how much time we'd save trying to get to sleep. Yes, Aaron. G'day. Um, so, uh, a couple of years ago, my um, my sister was actually studying. She was doing a theology degree, and um, I sort of said to her, "Look, you know, I just always struggle to uh, to read the Bible. I just I find it really difficult. Um, maybe in part, like a lot of my uh, a lot of us, if if you work in an office, there is such a thing called email. It's also called occupational spam. It is just the never-ending influx of things that you have to read constantly. And I often find myself reading emails and communications, bulletins, all sorts. And I feel for anyone who's sitting in a higher-level role and the higher up you go, the more you have to read and filter out what's relevant and what's not. And there's so much. Um, and I think, you know, media can be that way as well. You just sort of constantly hit with this stream of things but yeah I just found reading really difficult um you know in my time outside of work uh 
I also study, so I've, you know, I'm doing all sorts of reading for that all the time as well. So I, um, my sister actually said to me, um, you know, the early, um, disciples didn't actually have Bibles, right? Like you, you understand that. <laughs> I said, what? She said, yeah, well, you know, what you're reading is the development of the Bible when you're reading the Bible. You said, there wasn't a Bible there. There was a spoken word of God, uh, and people listening to it. And that was what had happened. And so, um, it was really, you know, it was just this kind of silly thing that, you know, someone said. And for me, um, it allowed me to sort of uh, have listened to, start looking for um, a way to listen to the Bible um, and sort of take it in that way. And often, you know, when I was driving uh, or when I'll drive between places or whatever, I'll listen to a few chapters of the Bible. And for me, I mean, it's just this kind of, it was a very silly, practical kind of thing that I never really thought about. And it was like, unless I'm sitting and have a moment to, you know, contemplate and read and take it in and write notes and all that, it was just not, it wasn't feasible to read the Bible. Um, and so, yeah, it was a really probably weird, I don't know, confession. But for me, it was this thing that I, I found actually just, um, there are plenty of apps out there and there are plenty of versions out there. Um, some of the read, some of the dudes who read have really annoying voices. Um, but you know, like you might end up finding yourself on a bit of a journey to find one. But yeah, if you struggle to find a, a way to actually uh, physically read the Bible, uh, for me, I found, uh, and I do find it really, really helpful uh, to actually just uh, have it uh, something I can listen to. And uh, I'll often find myself, um, yeah, sort of hitting the rewind button because I'll hear something that sort of resonates with me or something like that, and. Um, yeah, sometimes it's sort of, you know, you're driving and you're hearing it and maybe it's not necessarily uh, something you're focusing on, but it actually is still something that is useful and you might uh, contemplate what you're hearing at a, t- at a time as well. And so, yeah, I don't know, that was sort of a practical thing I found for myself anyway. I'll share that. About five years ago, I went on a conference and as a result of it, Marguerite Koshal and I set up a group, the Joy Group, which has been around now for about five years. And the Joy Group started me thinking about prayer and that was like the tiny um, domino that hit the other domino and the domino effect of all of that brought about great changes in my life. And as, as Sam spoke, I thought, wouldn't it be great to have the no-fail first step, which is an educational principle, and just maybe one Monday a month or two Mondays a month, I'm not sure, we could just open the church and have a group that could come in the prayer room and actually spend time in contemplation, sharing and fellowship just to get started and to refocus. So I'm thinking about that idea and I'm going to pray about it and watch this space. Wonderful. I think the biggest thing is finding what works for you. Um, I, I like Soren find that when I'm, I'm driving, I'm, uh, it allows your mind to think and contemplate and dream. But whereas when you're sitting down or you're, you're, you're focusing, you're, 
it, it, it wanders off on other ways. Um, and I just, I just love listening to the word as I drive or I love listening to, to worship music. And you might find yourself in a, in a high-pressured life, kids, work, and you find it hard to prioritise time. There is time, I promise, in the day if you look for it and if you make it a priority, number one. Can the music team come up, please? Can we stand to our feet? We're going to sing a song that we've, I know we've sung quite a lot lately. It's, it's a great song. Uh, it speaks about building our life on him, about devoting our, our hearts to the Lord. And I just want to pray for you now just before we sing this song. Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you make us out, you've called us your friends. Lord, that there's this design that doesn't have religion and ritual and rules and tick boxes that you have for us. And thank you that in your death you've removed everything that would ever stop us from being in a deep, intimate relationship with you. Now there is a possibility of again being restored to walking with you every day, continually, constantly, that there is no separation, there is no moment, there is no situation where you're not present, where we can just simply call to you, speak to you, share life with you, And Lord, where we can receive from you, where you speak truth and hope and love into our hearts. And so Lord, we forgive you, forgive us for where we've just gone 100k an hour in life. And we haven't put you first and we've just found that there's just one tiny bit of paper, one smither at the end that we give to you. Lord, help us to prioritise every day, spending time with you, receiving from you, hearing from you, knowing that we are loved, being in that presence that is indescribable, where our hearts connected to you, And Lord, as that grows every day and as that changes the way we live our lives, help us to just give, be thankful to you in all that you've done. So Lord, if there's anyone here uh, this morning who doesn't know you, who longs to have that intimacy, may they know this morning that they can pray to you and say, Lord, I long for peace with God. I don't want to be striving after all of these things. I want first and foremost to know that I'm a child of God, that I'm loved, that I'm forgiven, that you've done it all, and that I can just receive and now know the joy and the peace and the love that comes from you being in my life. Lord, may that be the case right now. And for those who have trusted in you, help us to work out our salvation.
day by day by day. And Lord, help us to not go away and continue the same habit of not tithing our time. But may we give our first and our best to you, Jesus. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. today and um, I just want to say thanks to Sam for reminding us again about prioritizing our relationship with God and um, yeah you could have listed all those things but that's what it comes down to so I just thank you for that reminder and yeah it really does hit me right inside that's really what we need this year and what I personally need as well Thank you if you joined us online at home. We appreciate you you tuning in and being a part of us here today. And everyone that is here is welcome to stay for coffee and a chat and come out to the deck as well and enjoy the sunshine. So God bless. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.